You are now listening to the Blue Collar Unplugged Podcast. Sexton gets it. Three seconds. Two. Sexton at one. The win. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Presented by Crimson Crossover. Your home for all things Alabama basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Blake Byler. That's two out of 26 in his last four games at home. Matthew Gibson. You had Alabama fans selling their on-court seats to Auburn fans for the biggest game in God knows how long. And Jacob Pickle. And what is next to Butler Field? Arby's. Arby's. So Arby's. either A, Alabama basketball is forever it, it, eminent. Built on Arby's. It literally built on Arby's, the program. Or it's the first thing you see when you walk in. Enjoy the show. Hello. We're back for uh, Blue Collar Unplugged Season 2, Episode 6, right? Six. Six. Uh, we're finally back after about a month hiatus. I am one of your hosts, Blake Byler, and I'm joined, as always, by Jacob Pickle and Matthew Gibson. How are we doing tonight, guys? Doing fantastic. It's good to be back. Doing very well. Very, very much is good to be back and talk some very successful Alabama hoops. Yes, yeah, so since we have uh, talked to everyone last, Matthew, you said our last episode was Prior to Houston. Prior to Houston. Houston. Um, So we, quick apologies for that. We are all three very college kids with very busy lives. Yes. Um, Classes and jobs and other things that get very in the way from being able to record a podcast. But we're very happy to be back. Um, Since we last talked, Alabama has won six of their last seven games, including wins over Houston on the road. A win against Memphis, a win on the road against Mississippi State, and then most recently we've seen wins over Ole Miss and Kentucky, as well as that one loss to Gonzaga. Um, obviously, Kentucky is fresh on our minds, but I kind of want to go back and, and give our thoughts on some of the other games that we missed. Let's start with Houston because the three of us went to that game. Um, so what were your initial thoughts? What did you think of Houston in general? Because all three of us were able to make that trip and, and were able to go. Yeah. I mean, it, it was an awesome trip. Uh, very, very cool uh, city as a whole. We had a great time um, just on the trip side of things. Got a lot of cool places to eat. Tried in and out for the first time. Was a fan. Yeah, yeah. we did. Was a I, fan. I, Fantastic. I like in and out It's good. It was very good. Uh, and the atmosphere was incredible. Uh, the Frittata Center was absolutely amazing. Uh, those, <laughs> the, those fans were, uh, were great from the start of the game to the end of the game. Uh, really, really cool place. Amazing arena. I would love to see uh, Greg Byrne take some of the notes from the center and apply those to the future Alabama basketball arena that is now TBD. Uh, and incredible performance from the team. I mean, absolutely amazing. To be down 15 in a hostile environment at number one against a lot of places, or against a team that a lot of rankings still have at number one or near the top, uh, to be able to put on that performance and come back and win was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the same takeaways as Jacob. Houston is one of beautiful city. I, I really enjoyed being there. I had never personally been to Texas. Houston was a, a great first time being there. Um, the Fertitta Center, it was beautiful. I mean, I, the LED performance that they had on uh, prior to the game and things like that, it's just, that's something Alabama should definitely look into uh, incorporating down the road. Um, again and again, just going on the road, beating a team like Houston, who 
Again, they'll probably be number one in the next AP update, don't you think? Probably should be. Probably should be. Maybe, maybe Kansas, number one in Kimpong. Yeah, actually, I feel like Kansas could be one in the, in the poll. Yeah. That'll be out by the time this goes up. Yeah, right. So they'll have more information than us, but... Yeah, I mean, it was Houston's up there, top three, four teams in the country for yeah, sure. Absolutely fantastic trip. The uh, the roads there were great. A lot of great memories. Um, and again, at Houston itself, it was packed with people. Hakeem Olajuwon was there. Jabari Smith Jr. was there. Yeah, Tari uh, Eason was there. Jalen Green. Jalen Green, Green was there. <laughs> so just overall, it was a fantastic trip and a great game. Yeah, um, one of my biggest things was how loud that place got. Um, and like I've been in a couple of really loud college basketball arenas. I haven't gotten all the ones I want to get to, but I did make it to Auburn Arena, I guess now Neville Arena, mm-hmm. last year. And I think Houston topped it in terms of volume, uh, which is really hard to do because obviously Auburn is notorious for having a very tough uh, road environment and a very loud arena. And oddly enough, Houston holds a thousand less people than Auburn does. Like They have an even smaller arena than Auburn does with, I think they hold 7,000. 7,500? It was like 7,600 something. Yeah, yeah, it's like not a lot that they pack them in and they get really loud. I loved one of their pregame things is they dim the lights and then they put the camera on the big screen on like the locker room door. Yeah. And like the entire arena yeah. was buzzing waiting for everybody to come out. That was absolutely electric. And I actually, I haven't always loved Alabama's pregame like festivities or whatever, but I loved the throwback video that they played before in Kentucky. Yeah, that was cool. That was one really cool thing that I liked that I think kind of upped the um, the atmosphere level and the energy level before the game. Um, that was just a quick thought. But yeah, the uh, the win against Houston itself was super impressive. Uh, still Houston's only loss um, to this day in their season, and the fact that Alabama was able to do it um, with Brandon Miller not hitting a shot from the field was incredibly impressive. And he still showed a lot of poise shooting eight for eight from the free throw line at the end of the game. Um, but I think it was, there was an Auburn reporter, I think it was Justin Ferguson, uh, who went on Twitter and said, when Alabama beat Houston on the road without Miller hitting a shot from the field, that should have been a sign to everyone else how good they were going to be. And we've seen since that Houston game that he was absolutely right. Um, after that game, we saw Memphis. Um, then the loss to Gonzaga, do, do we want to talk a lot about? We, we can mention it. I mean, just briefly, it was a lot of Drew Timmy. I mean, I, Drew Timmy was really good. 30, yeah. points. It was Drew Timmy and Brandon Miller putting on just one of the better college basketball performances you're going to see all year. It was, it was a good game. Yeah. It's um, fun to watch. I mean, I would have yeah. loved to one. The arena was packed with Alabama fans in Birmingham. Oh, it was incredible it, arena. Very, very like, nice atmosphere. atmosphere. Yes. The Alabama packed out Legacy, which is 18,000, I think. Mm. Loudest crowd I think I've ever heard an Alabama game like to start the oh, yeah. game. With how loud they got after, I think Miller hit a three and Clowney hit a three. Um, I think Sears got one too. Yeah, maybe. place was absolutely yeah. electric. It was like sixteen to seven at the under sixteen. Yeah, something like it was that. And it was a track meet. Yeah, you knew it was going to be a track meet. Gonzaga really uh, caught Alabama in some tough situations with their pick and rolls because of how good Timmy is with that little push shot in the lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gave Alabama a ton of trouble. Also, they hit everything they threw up that they entire did. night, scoring a hundred. I'm trying to see. I mean, they, they shot 57% from the field, 40%, 41% from three. Um, had an average day at the free throw line, shot 69%. Yeah. Um, I Miller mean, kept we, Alabama in that game. Absolutely. In one of the most impressive manners that I've seen. He had 36, 36. right? And hit some of the most ridiculous, like curling off a screen, just playing with the ball. 
like having a defender on his hip and pulling and hitting. Like some of the more impressive, difficult shot making that I've seen yeah, coming, from college players. Coming for him coming into Alabama, we anticipated maybe a little more mid range. That game he was hitting mid range shots left and right. And it yes. was really yes. impressive. That's like that's what he looked like in his high school film when he would like he would get his stroke going from outside and then he would get in the lane, just back somebody down, get a little space, create some separation, knock down a mid range shot. Yep. And I, I honestly wish he would start pulling those a little more. Because he's so, like, whenever he's going really smoothly, he's so efficient at it. Um, but Kentucky game, some people were worried, or not Kentucky game, uh, the Gonzaga game, some people were worried about the defense giving up 100, and they'd given up 88 the game before that to Memphis. Uh, but since then, the defense has answered the challenge, uh, holding their next four opponents under 70 points, yep. uh, including a road game against Mississippi State, and we've seen throughout the first uh week and a half of conference play that road games are really tough. Um, I was in Starkville. The place was really rowdy to start with, but then by the time Alabama had taken control, the crowd was really sucked out of it quite easily, honestly. Um, But let's get to what everyone probably wants us to talk about, and that's this Kentucky game from Saturday. Alabama uh, welcomed Kentucky to Coleman Coliseum, won the game 78-52. It's a 26-point win. Um... Jacob, what was your biggest takeaway from the Alabama-Kentucky game that we just watched, I think, yesterday? Yes. I, this team is very, very, very good, and they keep their foot on the gas. Mm. I think the mentality was the thing that maybe shone through the most for me. Because, you know, this Kentucky team has put up not great performances. They're, I think, 0-4 in all four of their quad one games. 80 teams in Division One have a quad one win. Uh, it's about 25%. They've missed every opportunity because the Michigan game uh, is not going to be a quad one. Probably won't come back to a quad one at all. So Kentucky's got some guys like they very they much four in quad one. Yeah, and they're one and one in quad two, so they only have one quad one or two win. Yeah, not great. Uh, not not great at all. And they've not been good in big games. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the talent that they have and the way that Alabama was able to like effectively just make that not bad. Uh, there was really only one stretch of the game where the result was maybe a little in question, uh, and that was pretty much from the under 16 to, I would say, like the six or seven minute mark. Yeah. Uh, it was back and forth, like one possession game between that. It got from there, slow. It got so yeah. slow. Uh, we opened up with eight what, eight points from Chuck and four from Clowney. Like, just very... Right. Yeah, they both started off. I think Chuck scored... Six of the first eight. Yeah. And Clowney had five off the bat because he had three. Yep. Yeah. Bigs were eating. Bigs were eating. And then they had to defend. Uh, we were just killing them on the pick and roll with Oscar trying to hedge over with Betty Ako, and that just wasn't working. Um, they had to change the way they defended. It opened up things, and Brandon Miller came to life. Sears came to life. I mean, it truly a beatdown that was never close after that run at the end of the first half. Uh, to make it seven before half, and then come out with uh, with a I think twelve zero run to start. Uh, I mean, it was really just over from there. And this team kept their foot on the gas. They wanted it. Uh, they played great defense against an older offense, uh, an older style. The dribble drive just is not highly it's effective it's anymore. It is ancient, very ancient. Uh, but keeping Kentucky to point seven six points per possession and having one point one five points per possession ourselves. Very, very good. 1.5? 1.15. Oh, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. 68, 68 possessions. We had 78 points. They had 52. Uh, 
I mean, just all around stellar performance. Mm-hmm. The vibes were incredible in Coleman from the tip. I mean, from, from the tip off, from the video, and like once I saw everybody on their feet in the arena packed, like I, I had chills the whole time. The clowny run out dunk into a timeout was absolutely amazing. I mean, that was one of the probably the most fun I've ever had in Coleman as a student. Yeah, I mean, and credit to the Alabama fans too. I mean, usually when Kentucky comes to town, you see a lot of blue. There was not a lot of blue. Mm-hmm. In this yeah, game. that's that's one of the first things I noticed is like before the game, they're all standing down front to watch warmups because apparently they really like to do that. Um, so I saw that and I was like, okay, they're gonna kind of not fully be invade, yeah. but there there's gonna be some blue. In they're here. here. They were just standing down there to watch warm-ups, and then they went back up to the very top of the arena because they didn't have seats anywhere near the court, which was a stark contrast compared to previous Alabama-Kentucky games if you've been going to games for a while. So I, I def- that, that was a very well done by Alabama fans, yeah. to say the least. And Jacob sort of talked about it too. I mean, I, as great as Alabama's offense is right now with guys like you know Miller, Clowney, Quinterly, all of the above, I mean, the defense, Kentucky coming into this game was, I believe, 14th in adjusted efficiency. They held them to 28% from the field in what? Let's see. Or 5 from 20 from three-point range. I mean, just Kentucky's still is a top 25 offense in Kimball. Yeah. yeah. Kentucky's offense coming to the game. Kentucky was an objectively really it's, good offensive team, and yeah. Bama just shut them down. From completely. an efficiency standpoint. From an efficiency yeah. standpoint. Yeah. 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 Now, we, everyone has their theories about whether uh, Cal's offensive strategies still work in modern basketball. basketball. But... The, the numbers say that they're still a good offensive team right. from an efficiency standpoint. And five for 20 from three, I mean, they, they had a few guys taking threes that they probably would not want taking threes. Um, Reeves was four of seven, Antonio Reeves. Shout out to CJ Thomas. Yep. Alabama legend Antonio Reeves. Antonio Reeves was their best player. He had 20. A, he had a good game. He did have a good game, and he was shooting from the start. Like he, I think he comes off the bench for them. And so, and he came in and immediately hit a three off the bounce, and then scored one at the rim like a floater or yeah. something like that. And he was like, he was the one kind of going back and forth with Alabama from that under sixteen to that seven or eight mark. Um, so he he was a problem for sure for Alabama. So was uh, so was, um, Xavier Wheeler. He had that nice little pull up at the elbow that he kept draining. He had a couple nice floaters in the lane. Yeah, I mean he, he's a bucket. Yeah, the same way whenever. Uh, he was at Georgia, and they came two years ago. Uh, oh, that's right. It was him and Katie Johnson. It, it was, was him the, and Katie Johnson. was the backcourt for that Georgia team. Yeah. yeah. Sevier's just a smart player. He doesn't really <laughs> turn the ball over a lot. He's, he, he knows, he's, he's experienced. He's been around a long time. I mean, that's that's about the experience you'd perfect, expect from him. Absolutely. Right. But how about Bayako on Oscar Sheboy this game? Sheboy plays 23 minutes. One of seven from the field, only... He had six rebounds, but I feel like a couple of those came towards the end of the game. Yeah, but six rebounds for Oscar Sheboy when he's averaging what? He's averaging 14. 14. Yeah, and he was out-rebounded by somebody else in the game for the first time at Kentucky. Brandon had seven. Really? And uh, Oscar had six. That's the first time in his Kentucky I think Kalani had six, too. So, I mean, that's... He's never been out-rebounded by an opposing player. He has never been out-rebounded by one opposing player. That's well, just in Kentucky, though. Yeah. Not at West Virginia? Yeah, I, I don't know the stat at West Virginia. I would imagine that... I'm sure he was at some point. But yeah. in Kentucky, that's crazy. Only four points, four fouls, four turnovers for yeah. Sheetway. Um, and a big... like The biggest catalyst for that was Bediaco, obviously. And he was good on both offense and defense. Yeah. Like he, he was able to wall up defensively and make Sheetway alter his shot. Um, I know that Cal in the postgame was referencing like Shebo was having to fade away 
because of Charles' length, length yeah. and his strength, because he got a lot stronger and put on weight in the offseason, yeah. um, which helped a lot. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, Nate was talking about how they tried to get him in ball screen coverage, and Jacob mentioned this, and how they would get him in too deep on ball screens, and they were able to just throw lobs over the top. Yeah. Um, and even Cal said that after he gave up a couple of dunks, they just pulled him from the game because you can't have that on the, or on the defensive end if you're Kentucky every time. Uh, so just the fact that Alabama was able to smartly play him out of the game speaks a lot to the coaching staff's game plan and also Alabama's players for being able to execute it. Really impressed with Betty Aka, though. For sure. I mean, it was an incredible performance. I think one of my favorite moments of the game uh, was towards the end. I mean, the result was well out of hand. Uh, but Oscar went up just for a layup, and all five guys were trying to strip the ball from him or surrounded him. <laughs> yes. All five. And I think Sears ended up getting a steal out. But, I mean, that was just like, like yeah, okay, we like from – the get-go and all the way to the end, this team is engaged and way ahead. Uh, look at the Kempom win probability chart. Would you guys take a guess at um, the minimum win probability that Alabama had at any point? So the lowest like throughout the whole game. It was probably to open the game. Or Sorry, not what point it was at, what the, the probability number itself was. Was it like 67, 68? 73%. 73%. Was the lowest chance. Was close. And that was at... Uh, like five under five minutes till half, and then from there, from uh, out of half. Let's see, make sure I'm this right. Oh, um, from right before half until the under, like at the fourteen minute mark, we went on a nineteen to three run. It was nineteen to three. It was nineteen to three. My goodness. So uh, absolutely, just controlled the whole game and ran through it. Uh, I think there was one moment on the, the ESPN highlight reel, which I feel like missed a lot of the good parts of the game, uh, but it showed Cal dancing after a singular singular three early in the first half, and I, I just yeah. don't think there was too much of that after that. They had to show a Kentucky highlight. Yeah, and like two Alabama like run-out dunks and one of Brandon's threes, and that was, yeah. that was it. They, one of the most impressive things to me was uh, Sears' defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sears had what? Um, he had six, six steals. Six steals. Most since Relaford. Uh, credit Andrew Parrish for that stat. It was his most since Relaford in 2014. Uh, and a lot of those came from, like Jacob said, Sheway would bring the ball down and just everyone else would collapse and just hit at the ball until one of them yeah. got it, which worked really well. I wonder if that's a strategy Alabama's going to use against other really good bigs in the SEC, like a Colin Castleton or Jani Broom. Yeah. Um, that would be interesting to see. I don't are there as many good bigs in the SEC this year as there were last year? I don't really think so. I don't really know. Because, like, last year you had Jalen Williams. You had Tar Eason. Kessler. Yeah, Eason. Was he, Eason played, like, Eason a small ball yeah. five. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there are as many. But still, mm-hmm. Castleton and Broom are, are problems. And so I wonder if that's a strategy that Alabama goes with against them. But I was still really impressed with Sears' like instincts defensively, as well as how he scored the ball. His hands are just fantastic. Active, and they're so active. Oh I mean, he's usually one of the smallest guys on the court, if not the smallest. Yeah. But his hands, the, his ability to just you know get in there and strip it away, I, it's really impressive. I mean, he doesn't play like the smallest guy on the court. He definitely he's a pit bull is what he, he plays is. like. He had one steal, like a rip on. We had a turnover. I forget exactly what happened. Uh, it was on the student and media section side of the court, where like. 
they didn't have it fully. It wasn't fully a fast break, but like they had numbers. And Sears just like comes from behind, rips it, four dies, yes, and finishes the steal. Okay. Yeah, and that was. I felt like that was a huge shift. I I would need to go back and look at the exact play by play to know when it was, and I'm sure it corresponds with the win probability graph. But I, <laughs> it was. It just felt like a very big play. Uh, another thing that we should talk about is Javon Quinterly. Yes, I was about to bring him up because I I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, me, me as well. Um, JQ had a great game. He had 12 off the bench, 4 of 7 shooting, 1 of 3 uh, from 3. He had a nice little and 1, 2 assists, no turnovers. For the second game in a row, no turnovers from Javon Quinterly, yeah. which is huge. Massive. When you were looking at the team's turnover leader entering SEC play, and it's taken him a little bit to get his legs under him, and honestly... It's taken him a little bit to get back mentally um, where he was before that injury. But Oates said it after he had a pretty good game against Ole Miss that he's starting to get his swagger back. And I think we saw a lot of that in this game for sure. Yeah, I mean, he, was, he was talking. He got a technical. Yeah. He, he, looked, he looked a lot more like that. himself. We'll, we'll see that. He did. And he's shooting better than he shot last year. Like, oh, he's shooting yeah. 33% yeah. from three, which is, for college, pretty good. And for him, he shot... 28% last year, 27, 28, somewhere in there. And then he had, what, 41% in 2020, 2021? Oh, I have it. He, he shot, in limited playing time, 25% at Villanova, but he hardly played. Right. Uh, he shot 43% yeah. in 2021, 28% last season. Yeah. And now he's at 33, so he's kind of leveled out. If he can shoot 33% all season, that's a really good percentage for him and for Alabama just to have another guy shooting over 30% from him. I mean, if he stays in the role that he's been staying in as a six-man off the bench and coming off and with Bama's offense, <clears throat> sorry, playing how it is, he's, he's going to be more efficient. It's gonna He's going to have more space to be able to take some of those shots and have guys where they're, you know, they give him a little space and he's going to be able to hit some of those. I mean, I I think he'll be a little more efficient as time goes on. I think we'll, we'll see it Probably end up probably around 35, 36 instead of just 33. I think you're probably right. And also, if you remember, it took him a while to get going in 2021, too. Yep. It wasn't until SEC play, like around mid-January, that he really hit his stride and continued to play like that through March. Because he didn't have a great start to the season. Because he was like in and out of the starting lineup, hadn't really settled into his role, and then he missed a little bit of time with COVID, I think. Yeah. Because he missed the Auburn game. I think it was COVID, yeah. Yeah. He had COVID. Um, I know he missed the Auburn game, but I think he missed the Kentucky game, too. In, the one in Rupp. Yeah. The, if yeah. I'm not the, those yeah, were back-to-back that first yeah. week of January. Yeah. Tracks, and yeah. so I think he missed both of those and then came back and then started playing really well. And so now that he's settled in, that just opens up Alabama's offense even more just to do so much more with the way he can drive. He finally showed his ability to finish again. Um, against Kentucky, he had a nice in the first half. He had a nice euro step through the lane, um, where he so finished. And it was off a double screen too. Someone had a breakdown thread on Twitter um, about how they were putting Sheway in ball screens. Um, and then later on in the half, I think he had a run out where he finished an and one um, that was really impressive. And he's shooting it confidently. He's playing confidently because you saw him get that tech. It reminded me of that tech he got in the Maryland game. Uh, in the round of 32 in 2021, where he hit a <laughs> step in three and then just started talking on his way back and got teed up. It looked kind of like that, but they didn't get him on the tee until he was on defense on the other end. 
Um, but it's great to see him playing the way he is, especially after um, like just knowing all that he's been through to get back to playing basketball at this point, um, and just how he he has been openly he's been publicly open about some of his mental struggles with that side of his game. He even talked about that some last season. Um, so to see him in this kind of no pressure role where he could just go out and play basketball, not have to worry about carrying the scoring load, he's just there to be a spark plug. It's going to work really well for Alabama. Yeah, I, it's just fun because you know it does seem to like on the, the lineup side of things uh, for what he brings off the bench at the under sixteen. I think we do pretty much have a scripted like what we run with um, as far as lineup wise. Uh, tracking through here with minutes, uh, we pretty much have seen Jaden Bradley or Namari Burnett. Burnett on the floor, like interchangeably with injury. Um, and then beyond that, it's been Clowney, Bediaco, Brandon, and Sears. And then at the under 16, uh, JQ's minute use comes up right through there as it's well as Gurley. JQ, Gurley, and usually Griffin. Uh, or I know it was Griffin last game at the under 16. Griff, Griffin occasionally. Um, yeah. He normally comes in for like a boost to get, like, if Brandon's been gassed at the beginning, um, he's normally on the floor regardless but that's the most highly correlation is Ryland comes in for Brandon uh the only problem with that like really with that lineup is that JQ is often the only one that handles the ball really really well in that time um and that's the part that we've lost with Burnett is the ability to come with JB JQ which I think that dynamic works really well too I did like that a lot yeah um but, I mean, Javon's been able to bring a lot off the bench, and he is the one who can bring that spark plug whenever we do need to get some guys rest out of the beginning. Uh, or that's just the script that Nate wants to go with. And, I mean, it, we're 13-2. Like I, yeah, it's working. It's working. I, I often think the under-16 to under-12 has not really been fun in any game that we've played uh, I, as far as efficiency-wise. And I feel like normally if we jump out to a lead, that's where teams kind of catch up, like we saw against Gonzaga and Kentucky. But regardless, I mean, that's it, it's worked so far, um, and Javon's been able to be a key part of that and will continue to be even more a part of that success uh, off the bench. And, I mean, he's just had to come into his own. Like, this was – you can't expect a guy who, like, in the first week of December and towards ACL eight and a half months ago to come in and look like himself. Yeah. Like, he, that was just an unrealistic expectation, and he's proven that he can be, like, what we know he can be. Uh, yeah. And I expect to see it more. And then you look at him off the court, too. And I don't know if there is a player on Alabama's roster that leads Crimson probably more than Javon Quinterly. Oh, he loves you see him. You see him around campus. He's always decked in Alabama gear. And when you think about it, I mean, coming out of Villanova, it was a mess. Bad right? situation. He was a mess. It was, it was a mess in high school. He was a high school celebrity with the whole Jelly Fam thing. Mm-hmm. Came here. Alabama gave him a shot. He became one of the better players in the conference. And he's, he's had his ups and downs, but I don't think there is a player that cares more about Alabama than Javon Quarterly. And you can yeah. see that, too. I mean, he cares so much. So. Absolutely. I think that's the veteran leadership that he brings. I think Gurley brings some of that as well. Uh, like, Gurley's happy to be here and is always... like He's always... It comes over to the chaos, guys. They're happy to be us. here. Yeah. They, they, they love being here. Uh, I really liked how Oates compared Gurley's leadership as a, as a senior in, like, a lesser-minute role to Alex Reese. Two years ago, <laughs> I really liked that because also like they both play like the four like small ball five and they both like can't shoot great but they still shoot a lot of threes. But the the comparison was funny to me. But I it it speaks to the culture of this team that two of your leaders are two of your guys that come off the bench. Um, that like it doesn't matter that they that Gurley and JQ only played seventeen and eighteen minutes. 
And that game, while they had guys younger than them playing 30, 35, 26, like it, it doesn't matter because they just want the team to be together, to play together, and to get the win. Um, so definitely some culture differences um, in the, with this team compared to last season's. One guy I've been enjoying watching uh, in his limited minutes is Rylan Griffin. I love that he just pulled two that was awesome. nearly NBA range threes at the end of the game and drilled them. They were um, deep. I mean, both were deep. But even more so than that, he's played good defense. I feel like he usually has like a little crafty finish in him, like one every couple games. Um, and he he's had some nice like outlet passes to Miller in transition the last two games. Which have been impressive. I, I like seeing Ryland play. He's going to be a big piece in the future. For sure. Um, he's as he develops, he's going to be really good. I mean, he, can, he can jump out of the gym. He's yeah, quick. He, yes. mm. he can jump out of the gym. He's got balance. I mean, he, he gets in the lane. It's just like he's floating. Yes, I, that's the exact word. He's so like agile and he just jumps and floats through it. I mean, the also the basically a Harlem Globetrotters play against Ole Miss, like dribbling down on the back pass and alley to Brandon Miller. No, it's no. That was fun. I mean, he's just a great player. He's got a great build. He's doing better creating his own shot. I think we'll continue to see that evolve. Uh, He's very comfortable dribbling, like, into the lane if it's not there, like, dribbling out and finding another lane, I mean, or another pass um, for somebody else to have a shot or just kind of creating space. And he's another one that's good, like, in the under-12 to under-8 time frames. Um, He's just consistent and, like, is in a limited role this year, and that's because we have a lot of starters. He's young. He'll end up in a big role one day for sure. Um, Bradley's been really good. He didn't have a huge game or anything, but he's still like he had six points, four boards, three assists. That's good. Um, he had a pretty good game against Kentucky. He's been better in other games. Um, he's impressed me with his ability to score the basketball. I didn't think he could score the way he can. He's a really lane. crafty finisher. Yeah, it's really he's strong. Um, he's strong, and like all of his finishes, he never finishes underhanded. Which I think is very interesting for a point guard in 2023 to never finish underhanded. He finishes all of his layups like he's shooting off the glass. And that's how he's able to float and be able to hang and be able to finish off the glass at all the weird different angles he does. It's because he doesn't try to scoop it. Which I guess makes sense because he's a bigger point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's how like, he was able to get up and use his athleticism to hang in the air. Um, but I think it's, it's interesting because it's different. Because JQ and Sears, like shorter guys, they're always scooping the ball and finishing layups underhanded. Um, that's just the thing I noticed with Bradley. Um, but with, let's talk about Miller a little bit. He's is, good. He's, he's good. Like, <laughs> is he the best player to ever come through here? I think so. I mean, I, like, I can't think of another one that would really yeah. top. In terms of talent, absolutely. In terms he's, of talent, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the only one close would be maybe Colin Sexton. I mean, but in terms of talent, he's absolutely the best player to ever come Well, you don't think about, like, maybe guys like an Antonio McDice or, like, a Latrell Sprewell or a guy like that. It's I hard mean, to say. I mean, comparing NBA careers is hard. Yeah, you can't compare NBA careers. But in terms of um, talent, yes, I do think Brandon Miller is probably more talented than, say, Antonio McDice. Sprewell, Sprewell was fantastic. Sprewell was I won't say Sprewell was wasn't. Sprewell was a two or three time NBA All Star too. I mean, yeah. but Brandon Miller. I said be McDice a, because he went second overall. He did. Um, That's kind of a weak class, though, if you look at it. Yeah, Miller. Di- different time. It's gonna sure. hurt compared draft positions because Miller may very well fall right where Sexton did at eight, but. 
Like, Miller's going to be in a very, very strong draft class. I think Miller was in last year's class. Doing mm-hmm. this, he would have gone top three, top four. Yeah. Right there. Three and bump somebody else out that plays a similar position, in my opinion. Chet? <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. But uh, Miller, he, he'll go top seven, eight for sure. Could squeeze his way into the top five. He's just done, like, some of the shots that he hits, his shot is so smooth. And it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen, just how, like, effortless it looks and how smooth it looks coming off his hands. Um, and the fact that he waits until the second half to explode every single game. It's yeah. really, like, it's odd how yeah. that works. He, um, he just takes time to get comfortable. Like, I, which I, don't, I don't know, but still, but he always looks comfortable. Like, he's never... He never looks uncomfortable. Like, Houston even, like, the shots weren't falling, but he still took them and they were open. He's really good at letting the game come to him. Yes. He doesn't force things, Mm. which is kind of like, like, that's a trait, like, LeBron had on his, like, Cleveland teams. You see him just, like, wait, I'm not saying right about LeBron. (laughs) I'm saying that, like, LeBron would, like, start out games just, like, not shooting, and then he'd, like, explode in, like, the second and third quarters once he's, like, felt the game out and, like, seeing what the defense is going to give him. And I feel like that's a trait that, like, some people complain that he's passive, um, but it feels like he's just kind of feeling the game out. And he's, like, going to take a shot that's there, but he's not going to force things until he gets a feel for what the defense is giving him, and then he's going to start being aggressive. He just pounces. Like, yeah, I feel like he just feels out the opponent and finds the gaps, like you're saying. And, mm-hmm. Like, goes on a spurt, gets his, and then yeah. opens the door for Sears to get his. Like, he actually I hasn't shot the ball great the last two games. It was he two Four for six? Four for 12 last, uh, last two games. Mm-hmm. Um, he was five for 10 against Mississippi State. Um, he went on that one stretch at the start of the year where after the Longwood game where he was like four for five, four for nine, seven for nine, four for seven. He was on fire. Um, but he's still shooting really well. Um, he's shooting 44% on the season. I think that's okay. Which I, is very good. Solid. And Sears is shooting 42%. So... Alabama's got plenty of shooters everywhere, but he's just so fun to watch, and he's going to be fun to watch. Enjoy the next fifteen games, seven times in Coleman plus games. Only seven more times he's going to play in Coleman. So if you haven't been, get your butt in the seat and go watch this kid play before he is making millions of dollars in the NBA next year. But moving on a little bit, there's a big game on Wednesday night. Alabama at Arkansas, number 13 Arkansas. They won't be for long. Um, they are 12-3, and three, a slow start in SEC play, 1-2 and two in the conference. They lost their opener at LSU. They had to come back to beat Missouri at home. Um, what were they down by in that game? Like, I think 16. Six, yeah, 16. 16? They, they were down by a, a good bit at That's one point. That's not great. Um, and then they just got smacked by Auburn yesterday. Yeah. I guess two days ago when you're listening to this. Um, but they, me and Jacob watched that game. Did you watch that yeah, game? Yeah, it was fluky from it, Auburn. It, it, felt felt very, little, it, it felt very, like, it was bad basketball on Arkansas's part. Which, Auburn ran a zone, and so that forced Arkansas to be very slow developing offensively and, like, forcing up a lot of shots that they're just not comfortable taking. And they don't have shooters anywhere. They were down 15 with like six minutes left, and they were hesitating on the three-point line. 
Like on yeah. wide open, on, and not like they're guys off the bench. Like Anthony Black was he- hesitating. Ricky Council was hesitating. Mm-hmm. Like very, uh, very confidence concerning like, things. Confidence was just completely gone yeah. from three that game. They shot two for sixteen. Twelve and a half percent. Not, not twelve and a half percent. Not awesome. No. Um, and like one of those threes they hit in like garbage time. Like yeah. Um, so they were a solid like one for fourteen before they started shooting those. Um, of their like better players, Anthony Black, who's you think Anthony Black's their no Ricky Council. Ricky Council's their best. Ricky Council might be the best point guard in the SEC. I mean, I think Sears is up there, but I think the, with Council's how Council has played, he's he's electric. He's, I mean, he's um, really fun to watch. Council only at fourteen against Auburn, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but he's averaging like eighteen or something. Yeah, he's like 18, that. averaging eighteen three point three and a half rebounds, two and a half assists. Yeah. He's fantastic. Um, but he was 5 for 15 from the field. Anthony Black was like the only guy that could get a bucket for them. He got he had 23. I love his game. I did too. He's, He's fun really fun to watch. Jordan Walsh only had 6, a 5-star. Um, 2 of 10 from the field. And then you had a, they were having to play a bunch of guys that they don't normally play um, because I think Black got in foul trouble in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're also down guys. Like... Uh, Trayvon Brazil was their center, or I guess stretch four, um, who was one of their better shooters and could jump out of the gym. Towards ACL, right? I believe so. Yes. Um, I know it was a knee. I'd never... I know it was out for the year. Double yeah. check that. Um, and then Nick Smith, the one of the only freshmen in the country, or one of the only freshmen in the SEC rated higher than Brandon Miller. Um has been dealing with an off-and-on knee problem that's left him away from the team. Reportedly, I think he's with a doctor in L.A. Yeah. I I think this is one of those situations where he's going to not play and probably get ready for the draft. Knee management. Muscleman said otherwise yesterday, but I have have a really – Yes, he said – I'll try to find the pro. It was also very indeterminate. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I – don't anticipate seeing Nick Smith again. Well, he's definitely not playing Wednesday. No. <laughs> but definitely not. Will he be there when they come to Coleman in February? Who knows? But missing those two guys really hurts Arkansas's chances of winning the SEC. Whatever they like, talent-wise, we're one of the top three, four teams easy on paper, maybe top two on paper yeah. coming into the year. And for them to now be sitting at one and two coming off a 13-point loss where they looked terrible... It's a really, it's really yeah. bad look for them. Just on that, this is from Jeff Goodman. He says, for those saying he isn't coming back, I've been told by a source close to the situation that the plan is for Smith to return in February as long as he's 100%. Which the plan do we anticipate as long as, as long are as. the two like, language Yeah, I was going to say, those are, the, those are the language things. I don't think Smith will be back. If he does, good for Arkansas. But I, at that point, they, their SEC chances will more than likely have been cooked. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not looking great. Right. I would personally be surprised if he plays the rest of the year. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I think the late February thing is even more, like, there's going to be no incentive because with the way they've started, like, it's I, – I looking at their schedule, I, I don't think they have the most difficult conference slate in the world just where they get teams. But, I mean, it, it's certainly it, – it could be out of hand for him to be playing for something meaningful – beyond draft stock by that late February. Now, 
Po- very possibly. Jacob and I were listening into the Arkansas meltdown space last night just on Twitter, awesome. which one really entertaining. Um, but there were some people that were saying must teams always do this? Is they start SEC play really slow, and there is data to back that up. Like last year, they started zero three, mm-hmm. I think, and then went on a tear in February. My, I'm trying to get their schedule to load, and it just doesn't want to. Um, oh, that's not it. Um, but yeah, they, they start slow, and the thing that we're saying in the space is that people just like, like the people that were opposed to that stance that were the speakers in the space, they were like, this team, like, it just doesn't feel like that. Like, it just feels like there are more issues than those teams had. Uh, last year, they started at Mississippi State, lost. Lost to Vanderbilt at home, and they lost at Texas A&M. So they started 0-3. They did not lose again until they came to Colin Coliseum. So they won eight straight from January 12th to February 8th. And then they lost to Alabama on February 12th. And they only lost one more game in SEC play against Tennessee. It's their last game of the season. And then they lost to Texas A&M. In the quarters, semis, SEC semis, yes, Uh, and got blown out, lost by 18. Um, So they went on a tear after their slow start last year, it is true. And they kind of ran into two buzzsaws in Tennessee and Texas A&M at the end of the season, too. So those losses are... Yes, it's true. Um, It was really weird. They they won eight straight, nine straight to start the year last year. Then they lost four of five, including losses to Hofstra and Vanderbilt. But then they won. Yeah, but then they won thirteen of their next fourteen. It, that that's really weird. But the season before that, the twenty twenty one team. How did they start in SEC play? They started one and two as well. They started two and four. They they had losses to Missouri, Tennessee, LSU, and Alabama. Oh, yeah. Alabama smoked game. them. Yeah. That was fun. Um, and they, Moody game. The, the Keon Ambrose Hilton dunk over Connor Vanover That's was right. really, That's really true. Cool. And they beat Auburn and Georgia. And then from then on, once again, they finished 13-4 and four in the conference. Yeah. Which is very strange. But really I, strange. I compared know. to last year, at least, this year's team's talent with Brazil and Nick Smith Jr. being out is tough. It is a lot worse. Um, I mean, yeah. So from the kind of offensive perspective side of things, they Arkansas this year is taking 23 threes per 100 possessions. That is the least in the Power 6 high majors. Wow. Wow. They okay. are shooting the fifth worst at 30% of all teams in the Power 6. So Ooh. they're not taking threes and they're, and no, they're not missing making. the ones they do take. Which that is because they have their 37% shooter or 38% shooter Brazil out and 30% shooter Nick Smith out. Beyond that, they only have two other guys uh, shooting above 30% and really just Anthony Black because Pinion is just not taking as many threes. Like I think Is Pinion the freshman? Yeah, yeah he's the white kid. He, ah, yes. At 37.5%, I would, that's... How many does he take again? Uh, on the ESPN side, it doesn't have that, but that looks like a 3 of 8 or like 6 of 16. That would be my guess of what it is. So, okay, yeah. Um, and that's not, like, whenever teams can just put you in a zone, 
Like Auburn's defense is good. I think they could have handled them and they did play zone. Auburn a vast is a majority good of the man game. defense, and they didn't even have to use it. Mm-hmm. They, they really like they were in a zone the whole game. That was I've watched probably most every Auburn game this year. That uh, this and I didn't watch the Washington because I wasn't gonna. I'm not back channel stream the Pac-12 network. Uh, no, uh, but that was the first game I've watched where it looked easy for them, and that sh- I think that should concern Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because whenever teams can just put you in a zone, and a lot of uh, there's another analytics guy on Twitter, Dom Smaji. Uh, I it's Dom. I forget his last name exactly. Uh, but he's great, and he's one of the uh, managers for Arkansas, and he does like he's a grad assistant that does a lot of their analytics. And he had a, a great thread on uh, their like dunk rate and how they use that to drive the offense. But if you can't get to the rim, which they yeah, you can't do that. They use the zone. Mm-mm. Yeah, you're right. And whenever Anthony Black like, even has his best game, and it still like doesn't matter. They also missed a lot at the rim. They could not buy a layup. Yeah, that's so true. Which so, is not great. And not that that game like again, we all three watched it and said it was relatively fluky on both sides. Uh, but those are definitely trends to be a little concerned with if you're Arkansas, and especially with our defense going in there. I feel a lot better about Wednesday than I did. Yeah, just looking at Arkansas' roster, the recipe to beat Alabama is you have to have, one, a dominant big man, like, say, Sunogo or Drew Timmy, which Arkansas at the moment does not have. No, they don't. And then Mitchell is you have to be able to have shooters on the outside, which yep. UConn and Gonzaga in those games both did. And they nailed their shot. And they nailed yeah. them. And they Arkansas the- just does not have that, with the exception of maybe, like, Ricky Council and Black were, you know, relatively decent three-point shooters. Outside of that, they don't have the front court to match Alabama's. They don't have the size to match Alabama's. This could get, I personally think this could get a little ugly. We'll see how the game goes. I just don't anticipate it being that close, to be honest with you. It's crazy because if you asked me a week ago. I feel completely different. Like, who's going to win the Alabama-Arkansas game in Bud Walton Arena? I would have told you Arkansas on a heartbeat. And then I watched that game, and I was like, wait, they're just, like, not that good without those two guys because it's so easy to shut them down because Alabama plays really good defense and you can take, you're probably going to see Jaden Bradley on Anthony Black. And I think you're probably going to see Miller on council. Council's like six, six, isn't he? Six, five. He's six, six. So yeah, I think Miller will probably be on council. Who's their other guard that starts? Uh, Demo Davis. Yeah, Demo You'll Davis. Put yeah. Which, now, he has to start. Probably. I, I don't I believe. Think, right? Let's see. you got to have Sears on. Or you got to have Bradley on Black. Yeah, you, you have to. You have to, because Black is almost 6'8". He's 6'7". He he's a huge massive, point guard. He's a big point guard. And, so, and even though Bradley's undersized, compared to him, he can still guard yeah. a guy well, bigger than For him. sure. And whenever Kaysen Wallace was on the floor yesterday, Bradley was on him That's a true. lot of the time. And Kaysen's like 6'5". And Kaysen, yeah. So, not, I mean, three inches is a, a big step up to guard, but Bradley will still do, I, I feel like that's the best matchup that we have for him on Anthony Black specifically. And then, like, if you, and Miller's a good defender too. And so if you have Miller and Bradley, two really good defenders on their two best players, and then we just saw what Betty Aku did to Sheetway, what's he going to do to Mitchell? Yeah. You know, and then who's there for? Jordan Walsh. Yeah, I mean, Jordan that's, Walsh. Yeah, Walsh, Walsh on Cloudy is that's fun. That's a fun matchup. I like yeah, that. I, I do like that. I like that for us a lot. Uh, that, that's a very that's a good matchup. I, I've been a little underwhelmed by Jordan Walsh. I think yeah, he hasn't been great. I think he's a good player. Like I, that'll be a, 
I think we'll have the edge. His like potential that, like, intrigue is what like draws me in. Yes. Like he he has the tools to be like a really good player. He just hasn't like shown it yet. Right. It consistently at least. Right. But again, like if you asked me a week ago, I would have been like, oh, Arkansas in Bud Walton, a top fifteen team, they're gonna win. But now I'm looking at it and I'm like, Alabama looks better at everything to do with the basketball <laughs> than Arkansas. <laughs> like name something regarding the game of basketball that Arkansas does better. I can't. Exactly. And here's the truth with Alabama basketball. Right now, I don't know if there are any teams that are doing what Alabama has been able to do. After we talked, Nato was talking about it. At, at, I think it was maybe after the Jackson State press conference. He's, and, again, Bama at this point was averaging probably 16, 15 turnovers a game. Yep. Since then, we had the Ole Miss game. Bama turned the ball over nine times. We had this game. Bama turned the ball over nine times. Single digits. And in both of those games... Demolish them. Yeah. Demolish them. I'm not sure that there are many teams in college basketball, if any, that are doing what Alabama has done so far. I I, I think the closest comp is Tennessee, but like Tennessee. I don't. I, I also don't they think Tennessee. Good offensively lately. Yeah, I mean they've against bad points. teams, but like right. still, still, you gotta you gotta make the they buckets. still did it. Yeah. Like, but I, I, no one is doing from top to bottom stretch. in terms of depth. I don't know if there's a better team in the country than Alabama, and that's. I can't really tell you you're wrong to, yeah. to I mean, think we, about. Because I, I don't think a lot of Purdue, like, I don't think that's a sustainable, like, whenever you take off Edie, Edie's great. Not a like, lot moves the else? needle for me. Like, I, I'm... Kansas is great. Can, Kansas is good. Kansas is very good. Kansas is very um, good. Houston's still really good. Yeah, but, but we you know, saw but you that know already. Beat Houston. But we yeah, Houston. Road, beat Houston. Without Miller hitting a shot. Like, we've already talked about that. And UConn's great. Even though they just lost UConn, a couple games. I... I I'm wondering I, if UConn did the peak early thing again. I'm not saying that they have. They're a very good team, but two losses um, in a row. In, in a row on the road. To be fair, in a tough Big East, Xavier and Providence are good teams. I'm not saying they're not bad teams. They're, they're not bad teams. Um, but again, that, we're we're talking a similar, not exact similar tier, but like. But again, this is a this is a different Alabama team than the time than they were playing UConn. Yes. If Alabama yeah, were to play UConn different. today, I think, I think Alabama would probably win. win by five to ten points. Right. I, mean, I think that's I where they're that. at right now. Um, open. Let me find the. Uh... I, I can't like give you three teams that are definitively better than Alabama right now. Yeah, Washington State just beat Arizona at I home. I forgot about that. Gonzaga yeah, is struggling that. in the WAC or the WCC. I mean, the bottom line is, <laughs> if, if Alabama can go through these next stretch of games, there's a very good chance that they will be, be the number one team in the country. If they go through and, the next, with the with the Arkansas, team losing, LSU, and then um, they're at Vandy. Vandy, and then after that's Missouri. And they're at Columbia. Missouri. And again, if you Ooh. win those four games, you're not. There's no team that's gonna have a better resume than. No, definitely. Not. And also a high chance that other teams drop a game. Like Purdue is going to drop a game. Another game. They should have dropped one to Ohio State, but Zed Key went out mid-game and shifted. Uh, so Kansas may not lose a game. I, I don't know. The Big 12, Big 12 is a gauntlet. Big 12, all top 12 teams are Kansas, in the top 50 of Ken Palm. Kansas always finds a way to lose to Baylor at some point. That, that is true. That's very true. Uh, um, so, with Arkansas, like, I, if Alabama has single-digit turnovers, they might win by, like, 12. Yeah. How many turnovers Honestly. were in the Arkansas-Auburn game last night? Uh, and then while That's we're a good question. while we're on that, uh, Auburn and also check the three point shooting percentages for Auburn. I believe they are higher than normal. Auburn is also in the bottom tier of threes 
per 100 possessions at 30, and they are shooting below, they're shooting about 28, in between 29 and 30%, which is the fourth lowest in Power 6. I just searched Arkansas-Auburn, and it came up with last year's game. While we're in Super Bowl, checking stats and other things, I was just looking at college basketball analytics, which if you don't have a college basketball analytics subscription, get one. It's fantastic. Um, great. So from the left wing, and I'm going to pull up stats for Sears and Miller here. From the left wing, about 22 to 24 feet from the rim, Mark Sears, do you want to take a guess at what he's shooting? From the left wing? Yes. He loves to pull up and transition from the left wing. He loves to shoot fadeaways from the left wing. I, I feel like... I'm going to say like 53%. I'm going to say 47. He is shooting 77.8% from the left wing. And you go a couple... From three. Yes. And you, yes. And you go a couple steps over... He is shooting 62.5% from three, from 25 to 7 feet from the rim, which is a little more towards the center of the court. So if he's in the corner, there's a problem, basically. Y'all can't see our faces right now. Me and Jacob's jaws are like on the floor. And here's, and he, listen, I'm not even done. Here's Brandon Miller's numbers. From Brandon, okay, you want to take what Miller's numbers are? Take a guess. Uh, like from where? Left wing? Same, same place. Spot. Same spots. Same two spots, actually. It can't be higher. I think it's he has. not higher. I think like he has a Because he has a higher volume. He's shooting 56.3% from the left wing. A couple steps over, 55.6. Both of those numbers are 32.9% above the D1 average. And for Sears, with the 77%, that is 33.5% above the league average. Percent? Yes. 33.5% above average in college basketball. Those would both be 100th percentile numbers. Those are insane numbers. If yeah, someone runs a 2-3 zone against Alabama, they're going to lose by 100. They are. They, like that. And Blake's looking at it here. It's it's I, real. It's real. I can't confirm it's real. Jeez. That's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. 77.9% is... How, what's nuts. the, like, number? 7 to 9. It's not a ton. Nine? It's not a ton. That's still a lot That's from still one a lot spot. From one spot. Not and one again, spot. And you, you go a couple steps over. It's Four right, of right here. Four Five of eight. Five of eight. All from here. That's wild. You go to the left a little bit, 50%. I mean, it, it's crazy what he's shooting from here. Miller's Where's that the same spot way. for Miller? Where? That right? right there, yeah. 55 6. Okay, so that's... If they leave him open, that is he's going he's gonna to just drill it. That's crazy. That's... Wow. Do we have predictions for this? Wait, you have me looking up Auburn's... Um, Tur- turnovers and three points. Three 33% points. from three, 7 to 21. Um, yeah, which is, is above that, their average. That's above their average, isn't it? Yeah. That is... What is the team? Like 30? A little under 30, like 29.75. Okay. And turnovers, only 8. Okay, so, I mean, that's... Yeah. Arkansas 14. Arkansas 14? Mm-hmm. Okay. That, I mean, that that's what we would expect probably from the Auburn defense with the way Arkansas was playing last night. Right. Uh, Alabama did a good job of forcing turnovers against Kentucky. And that's something they hadn't done a lot all season, mm-hmm. is they hadn't forced a ton of turnovers. They'd gotten just like stops in the half court, but no like, yeah, like Sears ripping the ball out and going. You know what I mean? Coming into the game, I I anticipated Alabama staying under ten. Kentucky did not force a lot of turnovers. No. They I think they were two hundred ninety third in non steal turnover yeah. percentage. Does Arkansas force a lot of turnovers? I will check that right now. I mean, they are high in defensive efficiency, so. What is their defense looking like? So they are seventh. Seventh. So and we're ninth. Um, I. I would say that point three difference probably comes a lot from playing a pretty terrible non-conference schedule. If you yeah. compare the strength of schedules, Alabama has the third, they have the 69th. 
Um, so, yeah. Arkansas's defensive numbers. Eighty. Okay. Seventh in adjusted efficiency. Forty-four in effective field goal percentage. Twenty-third in field turnover percentage. Twelfth uh, in offensive rebound percentage. So they're not giving a ton of offensive rebounds. Okay. Twenty-fourth uh, in three-point percentage. A uh, couple other notes. Let's see. One hundred twelfth in two-point percentage. Yes, this is defensive numbers. Uh, so the interior defense is not as yeah. on the same level. Not as, as great. Yeah. Non-steal turnover percentage one hundred twenty-six. Okay. So, and they are they are make, getting a lot of steals. They're tenth in the country. So oh, okay. A little bit of a different, different be recipe different. for yeah. than the Kentucky game. Alabama has dropped out of the top five in Ken Palm. It was a, it was a good six hours. Um, <laughs> more more games were put in, so Alabama currently sits at seventh, um, which is still really good. Um, Arkansas sits at tenth, so you have a top ten Ken Palm matchup. Yeah, you don't, where did you Kentucky don't, fall to? I know prior to this episode they were from 16th when they before Alabama, then after Alabama they're 25th. Have they moved down since then? They have not. I think there was really only shuffling at the top because the Kansas result came in, um, and then Purdue's result today would be my guess is why we saw some some shifting uh, since the end of the Alabama game specifically. The Ken Palm line on the Alabama Arkansas game is a is a Arkansas is a one point favorite. I mean, it's fair. I mean, it's, it's a hard place yeah. to play. And Arkansas is not a bad team by any stretch. I just... I the, the home court advantage is huge. Because that place is really, really difficult to play. Alabama, historically, also does not play great there. No. Yeah. You have the legendary Avery Johnson Jr. pull-up. <laughs> clanked off the backboard like a shotgun. And you had um, oh, Moses Moody will shoot two. In that game. And he will. Yeah, that one. Uh, Arkansas shoot. shot, what, 43 free throws in that game? Yes. It might have been more than that, now that I think about it. I think it and Alabama only shot like but... 10 or mm-hmm. something like that. It was, yeah, it was insane. Um, so it that place is hard to play, but if we had to get predictions. I, I think we win by nine. Uh, I, I think they're due. Five by nine. Tied by yeah. nine. I think they're due for a little bit of positive regression towards their mean. Uh, I also, but I, I love our defense's ability to cause havoc. This is just a great defensive game. Arkansas is, it is. They're, they're a defensive minded team. I, I do think Alabama uh, wins this by, I'll say, uh, eight or nine, like Jacob. I, I just, I don't think. Arkansas is nearly as deep as Alabama, especially not with mm-hmm. Brazil and Smith being out. I don't think they have the link to match up with Alabama's front court, and I don't think they have the backcourt to keep up with Alabama's backcourt. It's it's just a bad matchup for Arkansas, but Arkansas is very capable of winning this game if they get hot. Absolutely. Um, it is yes. by Walton. Yeah. So it should be a good game, though, yes. I think. Uh, I'm going to go tied by six. Okay. It's going to be close. It's going to be really close. So like, kind of like a, a one-possession game at like the 45-second mark and then free throws. to Bama come. has the ball up three. No. Bama, Arkansas has the ball. Bama's up four with like 35 to go. Bama gets a stop, two free throws on the other end. I like that. That's, that's what I'm, I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, we'll see if it happens. Brandon Miller's going for 22. 22? Yeah, that's my prediction. Yeah, I'll I, say. I think he's due for above 20 games. I think he's not. I think he's going to stay around eighteen. He can't break. 20 I think Mark Sears is going to break twenty. Oh, that's my so. prediction. I think Sears is going to break twenty. I, I think you're right because it's not going to be too long into the game before Joseph Pinion is on Mark Sears. they can't have Anthony like, Black and Ricky Council. That's something I didn't think about. They're not deep. They go like seven deep. 
No, they're, they're, so, they're not they, deep at all. I mean, the, the percentage usage drop-offs are large. Arkansas is legit. I don't even know if they're eight deep. They're more like six deep. If Alabama gets in their foul trouble, they're cooked. Their starters stay in for so long. With, again, with the injuries they've had. have to guard Bama's. For Whenever we have guards minutes to thank you. Bear. And Bama goes Sears and Bradley, and they bring in a fresh Quinterly off. Yeah, when you look yeah, at it, you might be looking at, yeah. in terms of how many like guys that they play in each game, with with the injuries for Bama, with Welch and Burnett being out, they were 11 deep, now they're 9 deep. You look right. at Arkansas, they're 6 or 7. You look at yeah. probably the deepest team in the SEC versus... One of the shallowest. One of the shallowest, if not the shallowest. Yeah. If you're looking at their box score from, like, their minutes... From the Auburn game, their starters all played at least 22 minutes. Kamani Johnson played 20 off the bench for them. Graham played 12. Pinion played 14. So they kind of went eight deep, but that's also, I think, a lot because I think Black was in foul trouble. Jordan Walsh was in foul trouble, too. Anthony Black got two pretty early. Like, I think he yeah, did 10 more. They played the other Mitchell for seven minutes, and then they played... They're two of their freshmen, Ford and, and Barry Dunning, for one minute at the end of the game. Barry Dunning. Barry Dunning. <laughs> Barry Dunning. Um, but, yeah, those were our predictions. I think Jacob said Bama by nine. Yep. Matthew said Bama by eight. Eight or nine, yep. And I'm saying six. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about before we wrap this up? Oh, we've been going for an hour. Um, do we wow. want to talk about Greenberg and LaFonso Ellis briefly? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Seth Green, ESPN Seth Greenberg and LaFonso Ellis, two of their college basketball analysts, did rank Alabama number one as their best team in the country. And Jeff Goodman ranked them number two. The tide is coming, folks. The hype is there. People are taking notice. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is... I watched what today was what, the Maryland-Ohio State game. Uh, I was watching that, and then I watched Houston-Cincinnati. And probably three straight minutes during the heat of two good, a uh, good Big Ten game and a good American game, we're talking about the Tide. We're talking really, about really? Brandon Miller. That's crazy. I, like which spreads? I, I was in. John Ross. I was in Veracruz and I looked up and I saw the Brandon Miller hit. I was like, no way! Like that. I had that same moment the other night because I was watching. I was at Avenue Pub, and we were watching something on uh, some kind of college basketball game and a halftime show. Yeah. Came up and they're just talking about Alabama, Kentucky, but they're not talking about Kentucky. They're talking about Alabama, Brandon, and they're just showing Brandon Miller highlights. And I'm like, I remember like being a like being young and watching Alabama games, like in the like Relaford days or like the Obasahan days, and like you they would flash like Kentucky up there during your halftime show. Like you'd be watching the game and you'd be like, oh look at like 38 no Kentucky and. Carl Anthony Towns and what they're doing, but like the fact that they're watching or that they're talking about Alabama during these halftime shows just shows you how far this program has come from a national point of view. For the yeah, for the true Alabama haters, it's got to be gut wrenching to see oh, Alabama oh, football for the one year that they're having a little bit of a down year to yeah. see Alabama basketball top five with people talking about them as maybe being the best team in the country. The question is how far can this Alabama team go? But we're not going to get into expectations talk not today. Not yet. Yeah. I mean, they go 2-0 this week. We might be having this conversation next week, though. Yeah. I, I agree. And with the program being at such a great point, I think it would be a cool point for us to kind of hit on, yes, the Texas job opened up. I would not be worried. I, I don't think Nate's going to. I think – 
Coach Oates is very, very happy. I anticipate Alabama throwing a boatload of. He's getting a bag this offseason. And deservedly so. Yeah, he's. He's Official blue collar unplugged prediction is that he is going to get a raise. I think. An extension. Yeah. He will be a top. Probably seven, eight, eight coach in basketball. Definitely top ten if I had to guess. Yeah. But I, I would expect he'd probably move to. I don't know exactly what Moss is at, but I would say he'd probably be two behind Calipari in the SEC. Uh, yeah, he's making like eight yeah. or something like that. Yeah, they're not going to pay him eight. Which they're <laughs> they're they're in a possibly fun situation oh, at man. Kentucky if this season continues on the trend that it's on. But I, I don't think it will. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna. I think we're gonna wrap it up um, from. Me and Matthew and Jacob, this is Blue Collar Unplugged, and thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.